Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of the Brand Builder Show. Uh, today is going to be, as always, another great episode. I'm looking forward to digging into a topic that a lot of people have uh, confusion with. Uh, they struggle to understand fully how to go about trademarking and getting intellectual property for the products and the brands that they own. And so we're going to be diving into that today with our guest, Andre. Andre, welcome to the show today. Hopefully I pronounced your name right. You did. You did. Uh surprisingly but <laughs> happy to be here good man no it's, it's great to have you i'm looking forward to uh, you know talking about a topic which um you know there, there's some basic um you know solutions for but there's also some more complex things that brand owners need to understand in the world of intellectual property you know protecting their creation so it's going to be a very very useful episode for a lot of people i'm sure uh, to give us sort of some uh, background on who you are firstly would love to hear about your history and, and what brought you to this point and then you know we'd love to obviously uh, ask you our favorite five and get some information on you about the different topics that we do do that with but yeah start off give us a bit of a background on, on who you are and how you got to be here today on the brand builder show all right, uh, so probably you can hear it from my name, maybe my accent. I'm originally from Russia. My name is Andrei Minkov, was born there and uh, got into this industry because of my dad. It was a famous composer in Russia, and mm -hmm. uh, I just went to my first law school in Russia, and then uh, he found one of his songs being used without his permission by a radio station that uh, made it into an ad for Samsung. Oh, wow. And uh, so he asked me if I could help him take them to court, which I said, of course. I had no idea about copyrights, had no idea about intellectual property, but uh, nobody really did at that time because Russia just switched from Soviet Union to uh, more free market economy. So mm -hmm. it was new for everybody. And so I went there and uh, <clears throat> two years later we won. I got passionate about protecting IP and helping people uh, not get what they created stolen from them worked with the biggest uh, international law firm before I left Russia, Baker McKenzie for five years, you know, helped companies like Apple, Microsoft, mm -hmm. you know, DreamWorks with their IP. And then in 07, I had enough of Russia and uh, moved to Canada. And I had to go back to law school there again, three more years of law school. And uh, uh, I wanted to go back to what I was passionate about, which is IP. And uh, Contrary to what I hoped would happen, nobody wanted to hire me. Uh, and so I started my own firm after reading uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, I'm like, if I can't start on my own and you know make enough money to survive, maybe this is not the, the path I should be you know, uh, going on. And somehow it worked. I started my, my law firm and uh, very quickly, probably on day three, I realized that uh, there's something missing uh, from it being a successful law firm, which is clients. Right? I never had to chase for clients. I never had to really drum up business in my life before. And uh, very quickly I realized that, hey, it doesn't matter how much you know, doesn't matter how good of a lawyer you are, you need clients. So I went on the path of uh, entrepreneurship and uh, you know, hundreds of seminars, webinars, books and trainers later. I came up with this idea of Trademark Factory, which is the company that I founded and am still CEO of. We're the only firm in the world that offers trademarking services with a guaranteed result for a guaranteed budget. I was so scared of starting something that wouldn't be different from everyone else 
that I came up with something that nobody has replicated uh, 11 years later. So uh, pretty, pretty happy about this. So and uh, so last year I moved to Dubai. Now it's truly a virtual international operation. We primarily file trademarks in U.S. and Canada, but really we can do it anywhere. Yeah, nice, nice. And how is um, living in Dubai? Because a lot of entrepreneurs will be listening to this and thinking, you know, where they want to live when they've got a business that isn't tied to a certain location. The the idea of, well, I could live anywhere comes up and, and Dubai is quite a, a hotspot for entrepreneurs. How are you How are you finding it there? I'm absolutely loving it here. It's, 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 a, it's a magical place, really. You got the beaches and you got the, uh, the skyscrapers. Mm. Like, next to one another so it's not just a beach city and it's not just a business city it's a perfect mix of both for me so really one of the one of the things that uh, became a game changer for me in Canada you know nothing's happening it's too there's really no not a lot of opportunities to spend the money mm. so you're not as incentivized to grow the business to become better uh, because it's enough. Mm. When you move to Dubai, you're surrounded with stuff that uh, you you want, and uh, suddenly you got millions of different ideas how to make your business stronger, how to grow, how to expand, how to give more people uh, the value that that you can. So that's that's really been my my biggest breakthrough in the last twelve months or so. Awesome, man. Awesome. And we will dive into, obviously, trademarks and copyright patents, that kind of thing, um, in a minute, just to further round out your, um, you know, an introduction for you, for our audience. Love to ask a quick fire lightning round of, of your favorite five on a few topics. Um, so first of all, do you have a favorite e-commerce brand? Do I have to explain why or just name it? Uh, you can okay. give a brief explanation if you want. All right. Amazon. Amazon. Really? I keep buying stuff from them, and they deliver no matter where I am. So good stuff. Complain. Yeah, yeah. How and how is Amazon in um, in Dubai? Like it's pretty, it's growing right in the in the Middle East. It is, it is, and uh, they're the only ones who deliver on time, which is great. Yeah, yeah. Like everyone else has their issues here. Just, they say it's going to be here on on a date. It's going to be there on a certain day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, interesting for our Amazon sellers that listen. It's a great market to expand into, so um, watch this space. It's definitely a growing one. Um, okay, uh, what about a software or tool that helps you run your business? Dropbox. Okay, nice. Yep. Um, what about an organic marketing channel? YouTube. I okay. got about a thousand videos published about trademarks and you know free, yeah. and uh, we find that a lot of our uh, clients come from there. Nice. And uh, what about a paid marketing channel? For now, Facebook. Okay. And do you have a favorite business book? I got to name just one. Uh, if you can, I mean, if it has to be more, that's uh, fine. I'll okay. let you off. Uh, uh, Build to Sell, mm. John Warrilow. Yep. It's probably a big game changer in how I build Trademark Factory. Another mm. great book. I mean, there's so many of them. Another one that... I uh, really found inspirational was uh, the hard thing about hard things. Okay, well, that, was, that, uh, that was really I, 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 the name. The, the 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 name of the author slips me by now, but uh, it's one of the better managerial books out there. Okay. 
yeah, well, it's a memorable memorable title, so I'm sure people will will remember that. Yeah, Build to Sell is a very good very good book. Definitely worth every entrepreneur reading if you're trying to build a sellable business. And then uh, yeah, hard thing about hard things. I'll definitely be definitely be checking that one out. That's good. Good stuff. Okay, doke. Well, let's talk about your. Um, your expertise, the area you've been working in for so long now, and um, the the difference really, I think, when new sellers, new e-commerce operatives come into the space, they will be thinking, well, how do I get a copyright, or is it a patent I need, or hold on, wait a minute, trademark, what, what do I need, you know, that's the, the first and foremost question, so are you able to give us a bit of a brief explanation of when someone should get trademark, when they should get copyright, when they should get a patent for their, their products or their yeah. brand? Yeah. Usually what happens is they bunch everything together and mm. get things like, how do I patent my brand or copyright my idea? Yeah, exactly, yeah. You know, always, always gets a few giggles on our end. So uh, copyright, let's start there. Uh, copyright really is for protecting content. Right? Your music, your videos, your images, your books, your software. Uh, and usually more of long-form things that that you're trying to protect the expression from co- being copied by someone else. Uh, patents, they are about protecting your genius idea for products and uh, more rarely uh, ways of doing things uh, where the what you're protecting is the novelty around mm-hmm. it, right? Uh, and uh, like, you know, you've I'm actually going to give an example in a second. Uh, trademarks are for protecting brands. Uh, could be names, could be logos, could be taglines. So if you look at, you know, an iPhone, yeah. right? You got all of this in one small device. So copyright would be for the uh, all the apps for software, uh, for all the books that you're reading, all the videos that you watch. That's copyright. Patents is all the tech that makes this baby run. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, there's also design patents for how it looks. Uh, it used to be this famous uh, thing with, uh, you know, uh, the phone with rounded corners, yeah. and everyone kept mocking uh, Apple for being able to get a design patent on that. But the funny thing is, when they did, nobody had phones with rounded corners, mm-hmm. right? Rectangles with with rounded corners, and now everyone has them. Uh, and for logos, yeah, uh, for, for trademarks, you've got, you know, the, uh, the logo, you've got uh, the name Apple, you've got the name iPhone, all of that, of course, is trademarked. So, uh, and on top of that, there's also trade secrets, which is confidential information that has value because uh, it's being unknown to uh, most people. So uh, there's different things that can be protected with different uh, types of IP, and uh, it's, it's a pretty, pretty neat structure. Yeah, and obviously the name of your company would suggest you deal only in trademarks. Do you dabble in the other things, or is it just trademarks? No, we we just limited our uh, what we do to to trademarks, and it was funny because what you know what, what, when I said I moved to Canada, I started my law firm. And initially, it was like we do this, we can help you with that, we can help you mm-hmm. with licensing agreements, and then I made the decision. You know what? I'm just going to do one thing and do mm-hmm. it better than anyone else in the world. And uh, I went to my first networking event after I made that decision, came up with the name Trademark Factory. Uh, so, you know, everyone's introducing themselves. I'm like, well, I'm, you know, Andre, I'm founder of Trademark Factory, we can help you with trademarks. And this, this, uh, this woman asked me, well, well, what else can you do? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> like, there's nothing else that we can do for you. And it felt so liberating to be able to say that. I mm. love that moment, still remember it. 
and he talks about it in uh, in the book, right? Built to Sell, John is it Warlow? He talks about um, just having one thing because I think it, in his example it was like a design agency, right? And they just yep. they just um, narrowed it down to logos or something. I think it was logos. That's all they do. Yeah, productizing the yeah. service. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, I yeah. imagine that's made your life a lot easier with building the business significantly uh, and look th this is what allows me to be here with the rest of the team being scattered around the world mm. right i don't have to sit in the office i don't have to meet with clients i don't have to do a lot of things so like you know really that allows me to uh focus on the things that i'm the best at and uh you know make sure my factory is stronger business yeah love it love it so let's talk about trademarks then uh, it's obviously something that's essential for e-commerce brands um i saw sean who is the ceo of ridge wallets yesterday post on twitter how he spent quarter of a million dollars on um legal fees for ip protection um in the last month which is just bonkers um absolutely crazy but it's a real, you know, it's a real world we live in where people, you need to protect your brand, right? And trademarks are one of the, the best ways to be able to do that. Um, when someone is looking to protect their brand, what is the best way to do that? They've obviously got word marks, you know, you can um, trademark a, a brand name, uh, a, a tagline. Also, you can trademark a logo, the physical look of, a, of a, the image of a logo. Which of those is the best to do? What's the priority there? Okay, um, and you said the keyword here, priority, mm. right? Because you can end up trademarking a million different things in your business, and uh, uh, it usually is a matter of two things. One is, is it registrable? Can it be registered? And two, do you have a budget for it, mm. right? Because uh, sometimes we have, you know, people who come to me and say, well, you know, just I want to trademark this and this and this and this and this. I'm like, look, we can trademark all of this for you. The question is, is it really going to give you a good return mm. so uh, the first one the first priority is always the name because mm -hmm. that's the, the thing that's going to stay there no matter how you're going to change your logo no matter what new ideas your marketing team comes up with for uh, your taglines usually the name is the stuff that you're going to be with that's how people find you on google that's what what people are going to type in the url so uh, that's that's the first thing you want to own and if you can't one of our clients said it best because when so here's our here's our process i'm just going to do a quick intro first thing we're going to do is we're going to do a comprehensive trademark search to see if the brand you want to trademark is even trademarkable right and if it's not we're going to go back to you and say it's not a good idea right and uh, you can get all your money back and so a lot of people start arguing with us about well you know maybe it's doable maybe it's not and uh, the, the, the client said something that I really like, says, uh, if, you are, if you are married to a brand that you can't have, get a divorce, right? Uh, and uh, as painful as it is, it's true, because really owning a brand is uh, more important than, you know, having the brand that you love but that's not yours mm -hmm. the last thing you want to do is build a brand for someone else that can be taken away from you or that mm -hmm. you can't really do anything with if you if you look at it coca-cola they filed their first trademark in 1892 uh when they were selling nine drinks a day call it a lemonade stand with a dream mm -hmm. uh, today they look at their portfolio of trademarks as the most valuable asset of the entire company really? wow. yeah 
valued at, I think it's like $80 billion. Wow. They valued more than their distribution. They valued more than their recipe. They valued more than their people, more than anything. Wow. The brand is their most valuable asset, right? And imagine if they didn't own the name. Yeah. So, so the name the name would be up there first. The, 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 then there would be sub names of sub brands. Like for Apple, would be you know iPhone, mm -hmm. i uh, you know iTunes, iPad, all of that stuff. Uh, and then you'd have all, all the other elements. Could be logos if the logo is important to you. There's a lot of companies where a logo really doesn't matter because mm -hmm. nobody recognizes your logo. Like if you're if you're a bookkeeping company, right? If you're you know people probably know you by unless you're you know H and R Block, they, 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 this green uh, square, everyone knows that. But in most cases, they don't. So if it's not something that people recognize, it's not as important to trademark. The, uh, the taglines are usually, uh, what I find with taglines is if, if, the, if, it, if the tagline helps you sell more of your stuff, it's a good thing to own it. Mm. Like, you know, just do it for Nike, mm. right? If it's something that nobody really cares about, maybe, I mean, if you have more, you know, too much money on your hands, you know, go ahead and trademark. It's not going to hurt, right? Building a portfolio of brands is never going to hurt. Having a family of marks is better than having one. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you're strapped for cash, uh, focus on trademarking the stuff that really matters and then spend the rest of it to build your business, then go back and trademark everything else under the sun. That's how Apple and uh, Amazon own over 1,300 trademarks in the U.S. alone. Wow. Right? Apple trademarks all its icons, all like all sorts of crazy stuff. <laughs> Yeah. You, you talked about um, something being registrable. How do you define that when you start to do your research? Particularly, I think this is a great topic for someone that's just researching their brand, is just looking at potential brand names. How does the um, non-expert look at a brand name and think, yeah, this might be possible, or this one's a bit too similar? Are there any kind of levels of guidance that you can give with that? Yeah, so you know how when you register a domain name, uh, you go to a domain name registrar, you put the name that you want to enter, and they tell you whether it's available or it's not, mm. right? So it's very different with trademarks. It's mm. exactly the opposite of the domain name situation, which most people don't realize because trademarks are not just about identical matches. So if there aren't any, you're free to go. Uh, it's the, the opposite of that because it's about, as you said, confusing similarity. Uh, they look at uh, sound-alikes, look-alikes, mean-alikes, translations, added words, added suffixes, prefixes, all of that stuff. So they look at translations, you know, uh, you know, does it mean something in the other language? And maybe there's something trademarked in that language. So when we do our comprehensive searches, it's, it's a long, long thing. It usually takes several hours per, per, uh, per brand for us to assess the risks and what most people do is they go to you know one of those uh, cheap trademarking websites. They type in their name. Oh, it's available. And my favorite example of that is to uh, get people to type in Microsoft as two words, mm. software solutions, and see if that uh, trademark engine is going to tell them whether you know it's safe to to trademark. And mm. usually they'll say, Yeah, you know it's available. Great. <laughs> Let's you know which countries do you want to file it in. And uh, well, you, you can guess how long it's going to be before you, you're going to hear from Microsoft's lawyers. Yeah. 
right? So it's not about trying to come up with a clever way to misspell an existing name. It's never going to work. Yeah. So uh, usually, you know what? Uh, there's there's a lot of benefit of getting professionals do your trademarks for you. It's really a pretty complicated process for someone who doesn't know what this is about. Mm. But the one thing I would never encourage people to do themselves, if there's, you know, if you really want to save, at the very least, get a proper trademark search with a registrability opinion, because this this is where most people fail, yeah. right? And like, if if they tell you the road is clear, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, you probably have enough brains to file it yourself. Maybe you can, you know, respond to uh, office actions from the government when they come in. But it's the it's the search that most people do do wrong. And the the, the big law firms, uh, there's a reason they frame their 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 searches as optional mm. uh, because they don't want people to do the searches. They mm. don't want people to know that what they're filing is not registrable because what well, because guess what. They make most of their money doing the follow-up back and forth with the sure. with the trademarks office fixing a trademark really that shouldn't have been filed, right. right? And they say, well, you know, we can we can do the trademark search fee. It's going to cost you, you know, extra five hundred dollars. Do you want this or do we just file? And what do most people say? Yeah, you know, let's file. I, I love this brand. You know, I checked it on, you know, I, I I did a quick Google search. It looks okay, and the law firm says great. Really, the way the way I look at it is, it's just so sad that you know thousands of entrepreneurs are being taken advantage of this way because they they don't know any better mm. right and uh one of the reasons i put together trademark factory the way i did is to give entrepreneurs who care about the result an opportunity to uh you know to get it done right the first time around that's how we got the 99.3 percent rate of success it's just we don't file trademarks that are crappy yeah yeah nice yeah you mentioned about misspellings or sounds like it's similar to with obviously the mature state of e-commerce and uh, trademarking it's obviously much harder to find a unique brand name now than it was 10 20 30 years ago a strategy that we have talked about in our community is misspellings to some extent you know you see lots of brands now come up and and the brand name if you say it audibly sounds like one word but it's obviously spelt different i'm struggling Mm -hmm. to come up with an example right now in my head but there was i saw one the other day and i thought oh it's an example of that you know like they'll use an i instead of a y at the end of the word so it's spelt differently sounds the same but they clearly have managed to register it as a brand but you said about their spelling differences and, and there's a there's obviously a line there somewhere is it just a complete no-no for you don't do that or is it a possible solution what are your thoughts there well great question so it's 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 a good option if it's a misspelling for better recognition uh it's not a good option if you are trying to uh copy someone else's brand that's already in the space and just come up with an alternative space of spelling. So sure. for example, you know, with Microsoft, you know, if you replace all I's with number one and, you know, mm-hmm. S with five and O with zero and, mm-hmm. you know, do, do that kind of thing, that's not going to help, mm-hmm. right? Just because it looks different, uh, you're still going to get the exact same problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, misspellings, again, for better recognition, yeah, absolutely good idea. 
uh, as a way to overcome confusion with an existing brand, not so much. Okay. Yeah. And then you mentioned about investment, you know, is it defensible, you said, and then how much is it going to cost you to register? Are there changing factors which impact the amount you're going to have to pay to register a trademark? If it's a harder trademark to register, for example, is that going to cost you more? Can you give us some uh, extra context on that? Well, it depends who you do it with. Uh, if you do it with a trademark factory, it's a flat rate that covers everything from start to finish, no matter what happens under the hood. That's mm. the big, uh, one of the big advantages of what we offer because yeah. we take that risk on us. Some, some, some clients we have a good margin on, some clients we lose money on. Mm. Uh, we had a few case studies, really, that, you know, some trademarks took seven years with lots of fights, lots of uh, you know, fights with the government, fights with uh, owners of other trademarks and clients didn't have to pay an extra penny, right? So we, we didn't make any money on them, of course, mm. uh, but they made good testimonials. Uh, with, when, you, with, when you go with traditional law firms, it, it, you know, what starts with a $500 filing can easily become a $10,000 process at mm. the end of the day. Uh, and when you start with, you know, cheap websites that you, you know, pay, you know, $69 to file your trademark, mm. uh, that, that they're going to do, they're going to file your trademark and, uh, whatever happens after you'll have to find attorneys to fix. So it's unpredictable, right? And, uh, here's, here's the thing, USPTO, which is the U S trademarks office, they have their statistic that. Uh, out of all trademarks that are being filed, 68% uh, will get an office action, at least once. An office action is when the government tells you they don't like something about your trademark application. Mm. And you're going to have uh, now three months to respond, and if you don't, your trademark dies. So mm. by their own statistics, uh, 50, only 52% of trademark applications eventually get registered, right? Half. And uh, that's not good stats, really, uh, because uh, it takes so long, right? It mm -hmm. takes about a year and a half in the U.S. right now. It takes about four years in Canada. Uh, mm -hmm. So you file that trademark, and you sit and wait. You're, prob you're not going to sit and wait, right? You're going to start investing in you know, the products. You're going to start investing in the ads. And then you find out you don't have it, so you have to go back to square one. Right, so uh, that that's why I find that it's so crucial now to get it done the first time around because um, just filing and hoping that it sticks is a really bad strategy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The timelines are pretty crazy. Uh, we just recently got a tr uh, Canadian trademark back after yeah, nearly three years, and <laughs> I just couldn't believe the uh, the amount of time it took. It's just bonkers. And then at one point we had to. Um, like right, like literal physical mail. I can't remember what the issue was, but I had to send a letter to somewhere in Canada with some information. It's just honestly ridiculous. But um, I should have used your services. Clearly, um, <laughs> do you uh, do you do um, just U.S. patents? Uh, sorry, just U.S. trademarks or other places in the world? No. So we our initial office was in Canada. Now it's Canada plus Dubai. Uh, mm -hmm. Probably. About 75, 80% of the filings are in the U.S., about mm -hmm. you know, 20% in Canada, and maybe 5% the remaining would be everywhere else. Mm -hmm. So we d d find people on the ground, find lawyers on the ground who do the, the actual filings. But what we do is not just, it's like, we're not a marketing firm that finds leads and 
sells them to law firms. That's very different. What we do is we take all the correspondence with the client, we take uh, all the risks, we give the 100% money back guarantee in case the trademark doesn't go through, we're the only firm in the world that does that. Right, so we find people on the ground who don't give us the flat rate, who don't give us the guarantees, who don't give us the money back, and we wrap their services around and that's what we uh, give to brand owners and uh, mm -hmm. we, we deal with uh, law firms on the ground to make sure that everything goes the way it should yeah in yeah. terms of speeding up the process you mentioned there it takes a long time some um, a lot of our audience will be like selling on Amazon and one of the strategies that's been talked about is registering somewhere that is a lot quicker for instance the UK you can generally get a trademark registered in three to four months and then using that trademark to get the protection in other countries is that a strategy you endorse or are there some uh, weaknesses to that strategy so uh, yes UK is significantly faster and that's good uh, potentialist strategy what it what the strategy will not work for is to get an international trademark unless you have a physical presence in the UK. So if you think there's this thing called Madrid Agreement, which allows you to uh, file one trademark application and just list countries where you want your brand protected, but you can only do that based on uh, your trademark filing in your home country. Yeah, so you have to have a substantial connection to your home country uh, in order for you to be able to use that application to file Madrid. So if you're an American or a Canadian, right, Canadian is a good example, uh, and you just, you know, you file your trademark in the UK because it's going to go there faster, you're going to get UK registration, but you cannot use that to file a Madrid application if you don't have uh, an office in the UK, if you don't have a factory in the UK, if you don't have something in the UK that would qualify you for UK being your home country. Mm. So maybe you have to have a, a company in the UK and then mm. do the uh, UK trademark. That's, that, 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 that's a possibility, right? But you have to think about this. You can't file. So when you file a trademark in the UK, they'll ask, who's the owner? If mm. you say, well, the owner is this Canadian company, uh, then you can't use that as mm. the basis for your Madrid application. Is the Madrid application something that's time limited? So you have to do it. Is that the thing that's within six months of filing? No. So yeah. six months is Paris Convention that allows you to backdate your international mm -hmm. uh, trademark applications back to the, the first trademark that you filed. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, Madrid is sometimes used in conjunction with it so that you can use the same date but it's you you can file madrid filing years after and mm -hmm. uh as, as as long as the the name is still available in those other countries that's mm -hmm. that's that's still viable at what point do you think it makes sense for someone to protect their brand globally um so here's our rule of thumb start with your home country first mm -hmm. right always then look at countries uh, where you're making money, right? Mm -hmm. If you have customers that uh, give you at least 30K per year, uh, that's a good country to consider getting a trademark in. Mm -hmm. uh, third step is to look where you actually spend money, whether you have an office, whether you have uh, marketing expenses, you know, if you're running ads targeting Australia, you know, if you're spending 5K a year, probably good idea to trademark 
in Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and lastly is where you, if you're selling physical stuff, uh, trademark everywhere where you use your uh, factories. Mm-hmm. So for, like, for example, if, you, if your market is US and Canada only, but you make your stuff in China, if you don't trademark in China and someone else does, they can prevent you from exporting your own mm-hmm. physical stuff out of China to US. So you want to make sure that doesn't happen. So you, you trademark everywhere where you have factories. Yeah. So, and, and when the number, the total number of these countries, that list becomes too big. Like for example, if you're an app, right? Uh, if then, then if you're looking at, you know, trademarking in more than 10 countries, at that point, you may want to look into Madrid. Uh, but you only want to look at Madrid if you're 100% sure your home application happens. If, yeah. you're, if your home trademark doesn't go through for whatever reason, if it gets canceled, uh, then all of your Madrid filings that are based on that application are going to die mm. just automatically. So sometimes it's better to file directly anyway. Mm. From a financial perspective, the Madrid option, is that's going to be quite expensive. Um, <clears throat> It starts making sense financially after, like I said, about seven, 10 trademarks. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that point, you start seeing savings, mm-hmm. um, not before. So if you're like thinking, you know, three, four trademark, three, four countries, don't even, don't even worry about Madrid. It's not going to be cheaper and it's going to mm-hmm. be less valuable. Okay. And just to finish on then, you mentioned about getting trademarks in China. And I think a lot of brand owners are uh, worried about that aspect and wanting to protect themselves in their manufacturing countries. Taking China as an example, uh, again, when does it make sense to to, uh, protect a brand name in China, for example? If you make your stuff there, the the moment you realize that that's the brand you want to sell. Yeah. Uh, Because... It's it's not uncommon for uh, you know Chinese entrepreneurs mm. entrepreneurs <laughs> to hijack uh, existing brands and uh, you know make money selling them back to you. Mm. Very interesting. Very interesting. Good. Okay. Is there anything I haven't asked you that you feel you know, would be good to share with the audience? Any key questions, key points that would be good to finish up with? Um. Well, I think one of the things we didn't really talk about because we assumed it, but I, 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 want, I want to uh, voice that, is really why you get a trademark, mm. right? And there's three big benefits and uh, every business will decide which of these three are more relevant to them. For some, it's gonna be all three. For most, it's not gonna be all three. So the first one is uh, you protect your own brand from being hijacked. Uh, so it's not about you going after others and uh, suing them into oblivion. It's about making sure that someone else doesn't trademark your brand first and then force you into rebranding. We find a lot of entrepreneurs who are like, you know, uh, I don't want to be a bad guy. You know, I don't want to go after other people. I'm like, well, how would you feel if someone goes after you? Are you going to go to court and try to fight over your own brand? And they say yes. And in that case, say, why would you risk having to go to court if all you have to do is just spend a couple of grand now and own it and minimize that risk basically to zero, right? So that's 
the one benefit. The other benefit is, yes, you can go after others. Uh, and especially today with all the social media, the, the, the Facebook groups, the YouTube channels, all of that, if you don't have a trademark, it's extremely hard for you to shut down imposters. Uh, with a registered trademark, it's, there's mechanisms that make it significantly easier. Same on Amazon, right? With all the stores popping up with the Amazon brand registry, you need to have something filed in order to be able to use it. So, and so that's the second benefit of go, being able to stop others from copying you. And your third one is uh, you're building an asset that can last forever, yeah. right? A valuable asset from it's your brand stops being a name or a logo. It becomes an asset that you can sell, that you can franchise, that you can monetize, and uh, that's a big deal. And you know that that example of Coca-Cola, mm. or you know, I'm going to give you another great example: uh, George Clooney uh, with uh, Casamigos. Mm -hmm. uh, so to me, that's 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 a mind-blowing story. So the guy. Uh, he and Randy Gerber, they come up with a name for tequila, the idea for tequila. Uh, and first thing they do, they go and get a trademark. Then they uh, find a distiller in Mexico to make the darn thing. Uh, and uh, five years later, they sell it to Diageo for a billion dollars. Like, you, they, they literally printed a billion dollars out of thin air. And, uh, you know, to, to those who say, well, you know, it's uh, George Clooney. Uh, I'm sure he'd get paid significantly less to advertise other drinks for Diageo. Mm -hmm. There's mm -hmm. a reason they bought it, right? And they bought it because he owns the brand. So mm -hmm. that's... Yeah, it's fascinating. It's crazy how, you, you, obviously, that's a, a great example, Coca-Cola as well, the, that they value their IP more than their recipe, more than their property, uh, you know the real estate more that it's yeah that's bonkers but uh, rightly so because it's a global brand that has such power isn't it so yeah incredible amazing well i've uh, found this very very interesting i'm sure it's been very valuable for a lot of our listeners um you've talked about your service a little bit throughout the, the episode but give us a sort of a pitch to round us up with why should people come and check you out and um you know just round out any areas of the service that we maybe haven't covered yet Sure. So, uh, you yeah, know, the, the way, like the five second elevator pitch is that really we're the only firm in the world that offers trademarking services with a guaranteed result for a guaranteed budget. Mm -hmm. What that means is that there is a flat fee that you pay that covers everything from start to finish, no matter what happens in the middle. And uh, if it doesn't go through, you get all your money back. Right. And really, there's uh, two levels of guarantee there. First is that we do the search in the beginning. And if we tell you there's a problem there, uh, you can get all your money back and not do anything and basically say, pretend this conversation never happened. Or you can throw at us any number of alternatives until you pick a name that you love and that will tell you is trademarkable. That's really what most people do because, mm. you know, most people don't start with us to get a refund. They start mm. with us to become, you know, to own their brand. And if we tell them it's not going to work, they're happy to work with us to either massage it, sometimes some small tweaks are required, maybe adding some elements. Sometimes they have to go back to the drawing board and they do. Uh, so that's, that's that. And the second part of the guarantee is if we tell you it's gonna go through and it doesn't, like we're gonna do all the back and forth with the government. If we can't convince them that, you know, uh, the trademark should go through, if we miss something, 
uh, after all, all, all of these months of work, you get all your money back, mm. right? We're the only firm in the world that does this, and I think that's what justifies uh, the, the fact that the, the initial fee that we charge might seem higher than, you know, some of the, you know, $100 companies <laughs> out there. But in the long run, you're paying for, for the result, not the process. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, that's that's what makes us different. If and if you want certainty of the the budget, if you want certainty of result, Trademark Factory is really your only go-to right now. So go to trademarkfactory.com and fill out the form, and we'll help you from there. Awesome. I was going to say where should they go, and you've just told them uh, anywhere else that you want to send people, um, you on LinkedIn or anything like that, or, or just to the website. I'm on LinkedIn. Really, the the other place I'd I'd send them to is our YouTube channel. As I mentioned, there's a bunch of videos, close to a thousand videos. If you want to learn more about trademarks, uh, there's hours, 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 hours of, of free info about trademarks. If you had any questions, uh, there's always going to be an answer there. So Perfect. Yeah, we'll, we'll include the links to both of those in the show notes. Uh, Andre, I appreciate you coming on. It's been really insightful and uh, it's clear to me you uh, you certainly know what you're talking about. So uh, yeah, thanks for coming on and sharing, sharing your knowledge with us today. Thanks for having me, Ben. Pleasure, pleasure. Awesome, guys. Well, I'm sure you got a lot of value out of that episode as I did. Uh, definitely check out the stuff in the show notes below. Check out Trademark Factory. Sounds like a great proposition. Some guaranteed results for some guaranteed, uh, you know, hard fixed costs. It's good to have that clarity. So definitely check it out and um, we will see you in the next episode. Same time next week. Take care.